Pelotero Pickle episode 52. How high does your batting average have to be to bat flip? We dig deep into recruiting and how it actually happens. And clubhouse chemistry, how much does it matter? How do you create it? Check it out. Pelotero Pickle episode 51. Quick reminder, send your emails to pickle at pelotero.com. Hit us up on Twitter at Pelotero Pickle. That's the handle at Pelotero Pickle. Maybe we should have done that at Pickle Pelotero because then it would be more consistent. Chris got confused last week. Chris, how are you doing today? Hello, Robert. I'm well. How are you? We could switch that. Do you think pickle at Pelotero.com and then at Pickle Pelotero or Pelotero Pickle? I think whichever one you say is the one we should do. All right. The email is pickle at Pelotero. And the Twitter is at Pelotero Pickle. Send us Good. your questions. Send us your feedback. I sent a thing last night on Twitter, you know, doing a little pre-show prep. And our guy Todd, I know he's listening, sent us questions about the Giants. So do you want to talk about that now? We'll, we'll do that at the end. We'll do a little mailbag. Yeah. So, sounds good. So just to preface things, pre-show, Chris said he only wants to talk about one thing today. It's only one uh, thing I want to talk about. So he, he could be very short-winded. For the first time in his life, I'll do what I can to draw, draw words out of him, which shouldn't be very hard. Ready for first topic? There's only one thing I want to talk about. All right. Jeter Downs, AAA Red Sox minor leaguer, hit a homer, bat flipped. Chris, you told the story last week. We posted it on Instagram. The comments are making me kind of sad making me feel old. Um is this what you want to talk about? No, oddly enough, no, but I'm going to talk about it. Okay, go. The basic premise here is the dude's hitting 203 and he pimped a homer. So but, on, on Instagram, the question was, how high does your batting average need to be for you to back out of the box and flip your bat like you're the man? I have a lot of thoughts on this. We had a little, a little text thread going on it. Uh, I'm sad. Go ahead. The, the, we, the thing that in an innocuous game in July when it's already you're winning it's three to one what that's the part I don't understand right that's the part that doesn't make sense to me and to add uh the Vince Lombardi what the hell is going on out here <laughs> that it's just it's July it's the fifth inning you're winning three to one and you show time that was a straight Showtime, kudos, Patrick and social media team for timing up words with the video in the social media post because I hadn't looked at it until you said something last night. And he backed out, he hit it, spun. No, he's hit it, stood, spun, backed out like three backward steps probably to a sideways turn to look how cool I am, bat flip. I thought the bat flip wasn't as big as what I was expecting. Yeah, the bat. So like. That flip is fine, right? Any one of those three things. We've talked I'm about this a lot on the pickle. You get three. You get three things, right? You get two out of three? Yeah. I, no, there's probably four things you could do. If you do all four in a meaningless homer in the middle of summer, it's egregious. You should get hit every at bat the rest of the year. Is that so, weird to say? Are you allowed to say that in 2021? Can you go to jail for saying that out loud? Uh, premeditated. Hit by pitch. pitch. Yeah. yeah. Just blame it on no sticky stuff. You're safe. Yeah. That sticky stuff really changed the game, by the way. League's hitting a whole point higher since then. Really made a difference. Yeah. Uh, so we had done one segment at one point about Fernando Tatis Jr. and his, or maybe I tweeted about it. I don't know if we talked about it on here, but he does, he has like 12 things he does around on the bases. He, he, Hits it and then he stutter steps out of the box. He rounds first, doing something cool, and he rounds second. Then he does his little little juke move at third base, and then he swipes up on the third base coach, and then he's crossing up and high fives with everybody. Kind of cool, but he's it's all in the act of running the bases. I think somebody said somebody mentioned Tatis to me the other day uh, talking about pimp jobs. He's so cool, and I went, he's got thirty homers at the break. He's the best player on the planet right now, other than maybe the only person I want to talk about. So no. here's my here's my thing. Let's uh, before we get into what you want to talk about. So this Jeter Downs, I 
no offense to your downs. I don't know who you are. I've never seen you play. I don't know anything about you. I don't not, say that. I'm, I'm saying a, it with full offense. I hope not, Jeter hears this and he's going to care zero that I said this, which sure. probably part just, of the problem. I don't know. I don't game. know any, I have no context. I don't know if there's like bad blood between the teams. I, I don't know what the hell's going on. Is it like uh, the pitcher got him out and taunted him? I don't know. I don't know what's happening, but I do know that Homer's like criteria for bat flips to me, this is we're we're very blurring the line between being humble and having fun. And I think this is making it about you versus like, I would much rather see the team hype you up versus you hype yourself up. It's not like the whole thing about you want somebody else to talk good about you versus talking good about yourself. Like if it's a moment, Homer, if it's a moment, like a go ahead, Homer, a walk-off homer, if it's a milestone homer, like your hundredth, if it's an emotional thing, I'll give some leeway to it. But if it's in the fifth inning of a 3-1 game on a Tuesday, like you're just doing your job. This is When I watch the NFL, guys, wide receivers go crazy when they catch the ball. It's like, good job. You, 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 did, you did what you're supposed to do. Why are you jumping around, spiking it, chest bumping? Like get back to the line and win the ball game. At some point, the transition happened from it was a celebration. It was, a, as you said, a moment to it became a battle of look at me, look at me, look at me. Right. At some point, that transition happened. And now it's the line is blurred as to whether it's a look at me moment. And I, I don't have a problem with people that actually that actually like it and say it's entertaining. I really don't. But the reason why I have a deeper rooted issue with it is because it is a look at me moment. Right. I, I don't, I was a egotistical kid. Right. I think any, any human has an ego and I wanted people to look at me, look at me. Oh, I would tell people about how I finish all my stories with, I hit a Hummer. Right. And now I think the stories are probably cool, but at the end of the day, nobody cares about me really. Nobody like kind of Silvana cares about you. Yeah. Other than my mom maybe, and my dad probably, but nobody cares. And all you're doing is bringing attention to the fact that you hit a Homer, but you've also now brought attention to the fact that you're hitting 200, which rah, 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 that ain't it, dude, you ain't it. And the problem is the game is kind of promoting that stuff and people's social media accounts and all that stuff. So look, it is what it is. It's, and, and this is to kind of talk about what you said, Bob, you feel old. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe maybe we're just wrong. Maybe maybe so it's cooler to create a moment in time that will create a highlight than being good, than actually being good. I, I think it's ridiculous, but <laughs> so, no, so that's that's exactly the line of thinking that that I'm going down that makes me feel old. So like are you trying to get personal branding out of this moment? Um, I want to talk about the emotional aspect of it. So Jose Bautista's bat flip is like the I feel like that's the threshold moment, the tipping point of bat flips. That was highly emotional. We've, I mean, I, we sat at his house and talked to him about it. He said he blacked out. It was like his entire life came out of him in that moment. The inning itself was insane. It was an elimination game in the playoffs. It was the, the crazy throw the, the catcher hit the knob of the bat on the throw. And then uh, Elvis Andrews made multiple errors. It was like mayhem of an inning. And it was highly emotional and emotions aren't sustainable in baseball like that. I know Marcus Stroman is huge in like showing emotion when you play the game. Tell you what, you're going out every fifth day to do that. You can't do that every day of the week. It's, it makes the game very hard. And when you ride emotional roller coasters, this game gets tough. Like we play better when we're confident. Are we going to go up and down and have these huge peaks and low valleys? Or are you going to try to be steady with your emotions? And that to me is, like if you're hitting a homer off somebody that's not good and you're pimping it, you're just being rude. You're being disrespectful. Like the guys out there trying, if you had a homer in a midweek game and it's like against a good competitor, like it's not, that's not the culmination of the season. That's not the emotional moment. So I think you're setting yourself up for some peaks and valleys. That's not going to help your team win and not going to help you be a better player long-term. I don't know. So last night, last night I went down this huge rabbit hole of 
David Ortiz stuff. And first of all, David Ortiz might be one of the top 10 hitters that ever lived. I'm, but I'm just He's saying, I'm, really just, I'm saying that out loud because it's, it's weird to think about it that way. And Oh, by the way, his bats right there. Just so far. That's, that's it. Signed. Um, so I started really paying attention. Uh, and this is all, we can promote another podcast, right? That's not illegal. He'd call me poppy just came out. So I, this is the first podcast that I think I've ever been kind of excited to listen to because David Ortiz is such a, an icon and, and Carabas did a really nice job of depicting that. Obviously his. I tell you the truth, man. He starts every <laughs> sentence with to tell you the truth. Yeah. So to, to, to it really painted a picture of, uh, of David and his whole career. And I obviously had the, the luxury of playing against him and getting to know him a little bit. And one of my favorite people to talk to still my Facebook banner was the time we were at first base talking and you really, I really just wanted to understand better. He got to the big leagues pretty fast. Um, time in Minnesota, we obviously had that in common. Minnesota was trying to get him to hit a certain way. And then little by little, as the years went by in Boston, you could see, even in swing development, you could see how he started to become more the guy that he wanted to be instead of the guy that he was being told he needed to be. And obviously that created just a whole career worth of moments and extended periods of time where he had uh, uber success numbers off the charts 286 career hitter let's go uh, yeah he's good you ever see that when tiger Woods' team yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you're like, right on, you're right but, go, but anyway the point is I, I think about the moments that he created when when he would bat flip or hold his, his pose they were never forced they weren't forced they were authentic and whether it was in the middle of a season or not every moment that guy created was authentic and he was doing it too. So that part to me was you're the guy you're, you have this aura about you. You can do it because you're the guy, the guy hitting 200 with seven in July. There ain't no aura there, homie. So it, it becomes abundantly clear to me at that point that you're, if people can say he's trying to create confidence, whatever, you just have to remember when you bring attention to yourself, People are going to point out the negatives too. As soon as you start drawing attention to yourself, and this is why we were just talking before the show about being the center of attention, being the, the guy in the front, you better be ready for the negativity that's going to come with it. That's all I have to say. And this goes hand in hand with the discussion of swinging at 3-0 pitches. It's the same thing. You better be ready for the negative attention that you're going to get. I'm going to do a quick analogy. i got to do some math real quick. Hopefully this resonates with people. If you were to run a marathon on a track, it would be hundred almost 105 laps right? The baseball season is a marathon, 105 laps. Pimping a homer in July, that doesn't mean anything, is like going to lap number 52, sprinting 100 meters and celebrating like you won. But that, I need to understand what the purpose is. <laughs> it's like you're in lap 50 and you're like, I'm going to win this, this 100-yard dash, one at bat. I'm going to celebrate it like it's the best thing. Like, is that is that the derivative? Is that what you're defined? Is that your definition of fun in baseball is hitting a homer and like winning, like winning a moment's cool. It's fun to hit homers, but do you like have to, do you have to flaunt it? I don't Patrick know. said something to me, said something last night that made sense. The, the confidence aspect of it. And that part I'll buy. The I, confidence I, when you put your head at night and you feel like you're going to have success the next day or not. I don't, I'm not, I don't know about that, but I'll buy it. If you tell me that you need, you need this to be confident, then okay, fine. The issue to me is if we have to, if we have to go find, I, I don't know where the confidence or the motivation comes from. Right. Cause it, more often than not, personally, it was internal. You just have these, you take things per like David Ortiz talked about when he played against the twins, he had this heightened sense of focus and, it was personal. It just became personal. I, I've told stories about making it personal against pitchers, creating the stories. You listen to Michael Jordan talk about hating the guy across the court. It's got to be personal to you because that's the only way you can excel in perpetuity. I, I, you know, any given moment in time, you know, it, it's, I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think I'm just old and I'm, I shouldn't talk about it anymore. Patrick just did a really good note in the uh, in the in the in the chat about how external displays can 
reveal confidence or insecurity. So which, which is which? That's, and that's, I think that's kind of the point, right? It's yeah. how, how do you distinct, where's the line? It gets blurred. It's completely blurred now. Cause we, we've been around a lot of young hitters, Bobby. And I think every one of them is insecure and that's okay. Like you should be, you should have some insecurity. You should, that that's what makes you human. How do you, how do you, how do you mask those insecurities or how do you protect yourself from those insecurities? Right. I talk about players needing to have confidence and enough confidence and enough humility to understand, like, I'm the best player on the field, no matter what, and be humble enough to know that the game can beat you up on any given day, right? The game can just, it could slap you around. It could tell you, Hey, I don't like you. It's happened to every one of us that's ever played. And I think the insecurity piece has to, has to be, okay, I'm under, it goes back to the Jose stuff. When you take a pitch in the strike zone, oh, no, no, the strike zone's wrong. Because that could affect his confidence. So, look, it's this jumbled thing, and I, I, I don't know. This, it's going to be what it'll be. People are going to keep bat flipping because people are going to keep giving it attention. So, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. I think, or better before it gets worse, depending on what feel, perspective you have. I did want to acknowledge a couple comments on the Instagram machine. Calling it the Instagram machine is a very old man thing to do. So. We got Ferbs said he hit a homer off a 12 year old. So he's not worried about it. He's pimping that. The, the majority is where if you, if you, so this one, if you crush a ball, you should be able to bat foot. Doesn't matter what you're hitting. If you got a good enough piece of it, enjoy the moment. Okay, whatever. Any batting average is acceptable to bat foot. One guy was like 250. He, he <laughs> just hit the bar 250 because he's very like, line of demarcation, yeah, man. <laughs> Like 250. That's you got to be at 250. One guy said 270 at least. I thought that 250 was great because he justified it as like there's some power hitters with low batting average. But this is the other point I had. Like if you hit a bunch of homers, do they like do you celebrate them all like with massive flips? Like is it automatic that if you get if if your guy that hits 40 a year, are you pimping every single one? Or you're letting the emotions dictate when it's happening. We should track this. We should we should add this to the uh, the Pelotero platform. Uh, batting average and performance. Hard hit balls after bat flip. See if it goes up or down. When the moment calls for cool stuff, do whatever you want. Uh, take your pants off at home plate. I don't care. If the moment calls for it, do it. What about if it uh, don't, you're down by, down by seven in the eighth inning? Do you bat flip? Heck no. I'm trying to get through that and run around the base as quick as possible. I So this is I, – I homered at Fenway. My only homer at Fenway. We were down 10 to 1 in the eighth. I didn't That's even get wrong. to enjoy it. I was, like, running around the base like, get me out of here. Come on. And then you're, and you're inside of you, you're like, oh, this is cool. I hit a homer at Fenway. I'll have that forever. But it was – we were down 10 to 1 in the eighth. And you were batting above three two fifty, so you have you had green light to pimp your homer. I literally remember touching home plate and be like, "Can we get this game over with as quick as possible?" Yeah, I, it was a Breslow, like a was a three two changeup or down the zone. Something. Yeah, and and th- there was so much satisfaction that at bat for me because he had gotten me, he had struck me out the two times before that when I faced him. And he threw all changeups. Luke, that was Luke after my, when my dad was giving me the whole, "Hey, when are you going to start changeup off lefties? They're, they keep swinging and missing at him." We did we did uh, uh, intentional talk, and my dad gave the scouting report to the whole league where just throw them change-ups down away. You can't hit them. And then finally I said, all right, you know what? I'm going to say change-up, and I did. Your dad went on national TV and said he'd give you the most uncomfortable bat, bat of your life. No, he said the most uncomfortable over 4. Over 4, sorry, yeah. Attaboy, he's, still, he's, still, he's still telling people to give him a month to get ready. I've been giving him a month for seven years. He hasn't started working out, so – can we just talk about the thing that I want to talk about real quick? No. What do you I didn't go ahead? Vladdy Jr. went no BGs yesterday. It was raw. And then he hit a bomb. Do you remember Tape the fingers? Clip, do you remember the clip of the kid hitting? It was like he set a record for most homers. Some kid in the Dominican hit like 270 homers in a row. Do you see that video? In a row, meaning in BP, he hit 270. Yeah, it was like a home run derby. It was underhand flips. But he had like 200, it was an absurd amount of homers. It might, I think I exaggerated there, but it was like 100 plus homers in a row. No batting gloves. Yeah. It's a, how do you, a, how do you, like, I, my, based on sweat alone, I wouldn't hit 
any homers. I think George Posada I go full no BGs. Joey Wendell hits no BGs, right? I think that's true. But George Posada was the, the, the most marquee guy and Vladdy senior. But I thought it was a big move. Vladdy went no BGs yesterday to get himself out of the uh, little uh, the scuffle that he was in and homered. How do you hit with no BGs? Carefully. I don't know. I Build up those calluses. Tape. I used to go athletic tape and no batting gloves. On the uh, on the bat? That's a metal the... bat. Metal bat. Like this is when like the first time watching college players in the college world series, they all took the grips off athletic tape. Yeah. I remember that. I did that too. I, I, I sweat. It. So I'm a big sweater, be like drops of sweat coming off my fingertips. And I just pick up dirt and rub it and make my uniform all dirty. It was great. I hated the feeling of no grip on bats. Cause I thought the handles on the metal bats were too thin. I tried doing those cross tape jobs. The, the, I, I did some cool you roll, stuff. You roll tape. the tape and then you cross it. Oh, I did yeah. some cool stuff with tape, but Maybe I uh, just throws a lizard skin on there and calls it a day. Right, and I thought, but I th- always thought the handles on metal bats were too thin, so I stopped doing that. So I just stayed regular grip. But I would go regular grip, no BGs. It, you going tape and no BGs is literally asking for blisters. You're asking for the most blisters possible. Grimy. There's so much friction there. So grimy. But I thought I just thought it. it was such a cool moment that Vladdy went no BGs. It's just trending more toward Papa Guerrero. One of the best things you can do if you're scuffling a little bit, change up your feel with the grip. Just try something. Like new batting gloves, new grip. See, I actually really liked how skinny those handles were with the the no grip athletic tape. I liked it. Made my hands feel fast. Uh, Get that knob to the ball. Really get that knob going to the ball. Nice. Uh, But that's a great tip for all all you youngsters out there. If you suck, don't wear batting gloves. Or if you suck, do something different. Try something. Don't, Pan, uh, go pants maybe, up. Yeah. Wear a long sleeve shirt. I, see, to me, it always felt like they had to be things that were uh, more intimate to the game. Maybe the way you walked up to home plate, where you, what your practice swings look like, what your practice routine looked like. Those things, when you change those things, that, that'll get you thinking like right before the moment. Be like, oh. And then all of a sudden, wham! It depends on the type of person you are. So some like kinesthetic feel it can just shift your awareness and make you stop thinking. Yeah. Somebody told me that if you shaved before games, that was bad for you scientifically. Shave, like shaved your face. Yeah. It was our trainer, our strength coach in Italy, who's kind of a genius, but I sh- I was shaving before a WBC game in 2013. And he said to me, he's like, Oh man, you shouldn't shave before. <laughs> I said, what? He goes, yeah, it's the, the pool, something about the pores and the air opening into the, the I, I blacked out and then hit a homer, so it didn't matter. Tell you what, Team Italy, four by 100 gold, and I believe it. I believe it. And if then I'm never shaving before a game ever again. Those dudes could run. Ooh. When did Italy get fast and jumpy? And they won the 100 meter too, right? Yeah. They did. Well, he's an American dude living in Italy. I mean, he's just, he's, he's, he's an American dude. He ain't no Italian. He ain't no Italian. Well, he, they won. His last name's Jacobs. Is it? Yeah. He ain't no Italian. Just <laughs> like I ain't no Italian. I got, I, ha, I mean. You, at least you have a vowel at the end of your name. Yeah. And I speak the language and I live there. He, he, I'm guessing, my best guess, uh, Na- uh, Aviano, naval base, naval base, naval base in Italy. It's, uh, we used to go play in this tournament when, when I was in Little League and we would always play against Aviano. And I couldn't wait because it was. Aviato? Aviato, yeah. Uh, look it up. It's a it's a base in it's a military base in Italy, and I get to hang out with all American guys the whole tournament. I just be like, what up, dog? What's good? We didn't talk like that when we were twelve. Can you do a twelve year old, Chris? Talking to it, do it. Do a twelve year old talking to other Americans. What's up, man? I'm Chris. Nice to meet you. Do you see the homer I hit? Did you see my homer? <laughs> do you do you want to play Nintendo? <laughs> Dude, you gotta get so much air on that jump. Bro, you got Game Boy? Oh, that's did they sick. say in Italy? Did, did in Italy do kids set up jumps that are like six inches high and they go over the jump and they'd be like, dude, I got so much air? Is that an Italian thing or just an American thing? Anything? I don't know. We we go to the beach in Italy. That's fair. That's fair. We got slack stuff coming through. What do we got? 
Ooh, that's a good update. That's a good one. It's exciting. Can't talk about that one, but that's a good one. All right, back to the topics. You see that? Yeah. Patrick, leave this in. Little teaser. Little teaser. That's a good one. Uh, all right, let's move on. How recruiting actually happens. Jeff Leach. He's uh he's close to me. I've been down here for a year and I haven't gone to see him. What a jerk. Um I tried to, but he wasn't working that day because he lives like an hour and a half south of me and drives 40 minutes north. And then I would have to drive 30 minutes. Didn't it hasn't worked out yet. But Jeff, I want to come see you. He said, contacted a college coach friend about a player. He contacted the player. I followed up with him about the player. He made an offer, talked to the player about the offer and his options. Player accepted the offer. Recruiting service took credit. Don't sign up for recruiting services. <laughs> this is like one of our one of our undercurrents of Pelotero is to like stop the nonsense with recruiting. Um, this is how recruiting happens. Recruiting is a relational business. Recruiting services are transactional businesses. They want your money. They're going to email blast every coach in the world. Every single coach in the world that receives the email blast will delete said emails. Never look at you. Nobody cares about the score that you have of a recruiting service. Nobody cares about some random value assigned to you by somebody that they don't know or trust. Uh, it's all eyewash. So rule number one, be good. Like that's for step one to recruiting. Be good. Step two, be a good. Uh, also athlete. a restaurant. Soups. Yep. No, be soup. good. Yeah. They make soups, right? It's like they a make soup everything. Place. They make sandwiches. Soups and soups and sandwiches place. Yeah. Whatever. Number one, be good at baseball. <laughs> Number two, have good grades. Number three, have a clue about where you want to go and what you want to do for school. Like if you're surrounded by people that have any sort of knowledge or connections in the game, you will go to a school that's appropriate for you. Like there, if you're good enough, if you're not going to the school that you want to go to, you're not good enough. There is one degree. That's not necessarily true sometimes, right? Mm. Or they're, maybe their their roster makeup doesn't allow for right. They, right. So there's one degree of separation between everybody in the baseball world. If you're hanging out with valid, is that is that a woke term? Valid, valid peeps. Is it? Is that no? All right. If you're hanging out with valid baseball people, which theoretically, if you're trying to play college baseball, you're, you're at least you're playing for a travel ball organization, or you have a legion coach, or you have a summer ball coach, or whatever, or high school coach. You've been to any kind of event. What You've been somewhere, right? So you know somebody. You've had a human interaction before. Your job at that point is to talk to people that you know and say, hey, do you know the coach at so-and-so? Or, hey, uh, do you think I could play at such-and-such? Such? Or, hey, I would really like to go to this place. I'll do you one better, Bobby. If you want to go somewhere and you think you're good enough, just show up and knock on the door. But keep knocking on the door. Just keep knocking. Because at sure some every, point... Pretty sure every university has to hold an open tryout. I'm pretty right. sure it's so like a I'm part of the rules. Is but, you, they have to do an open tryout. So, all right. How do, you, how do you stand out in somebody's mind? How do you become a standout player in somebody's mind? And in order to play in somebody's program, you have to stand out or you have to stand apart from somebody else. How do you separate yourself? Everything is about distinguishing yourself, right? You have to you have to make them see you amongst a group of other guys or players when they're not necessarily looking at you because they're looking at the recruit, they're looking at the scholarship guy, they're looking at this this person over there. And they don't you're just if you're just like everybody else, then you got to figure out a way to impress people. And and sometimes that could just be through being a good human being a professional in the way you talk to somebody and the way you shake somebody's hand. Our parents used to tell us all the time, don't give them a reason, right? Don't give somebody a reason. My dad used to make me shave my face and not make me, but he'd tell me to shave my face before I went to workouts because maybe somebody hated beer, right? Maybe that guy's old school and he doesn't like facial hair. And at the end of the day, that, that person make a decision. Now it could go the other way too. And we've talked about this in the past, but I will say this. I have some, some people that work, that I friends that I work with recruiting services and what they're doing is they're just creating relationships, right? They're creating relationships for you. They're giving you an idea of where they think you could play or where you think they would fit in. But ultimately they're, they're probably just like another booster for a program because they're going to, they're going to be naturally predisposed to think about 
their friends that are in the industry and push you toward them if you fit the profile of the type of player. But to your point, Bobby, at the end of the day, it just comes down to being be good. If you can play somewhere, you'll get an opportunity to play. That's it. You're now, you might gonna, not be gonna... the exact school that you want because of a roster, because of this, because that. But if you really want to go somewhere, go there and figure it out. Now, if the coach don't like you for whatever reason, maybe you have one brown eye and one blue eye like Max Scherzer. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's enough to keep you in the dugout for four years. Now you have to evaluate what do you want out of your college experience? Do you want to play or do you want to sit or have the potential of sitting and having to compete with people? Remember the game Gets Who, where you you yes. line up with a bunch of faces and you have to describe the face like, does he have a beard? Knock them all down. Yeah. That's like college recruiting, except it's college coach and the player that's kind of be on the same page. So it's like, like, is he, does he play this position? Yes or no. Can he run this fast? Yes or no. Can he throw this hard? Yes or no. And then they're left with this pool of players that meet all the criteria that they think matters to their program. And then they pick. Then they and pick. The, and, and the, then like, I, then it gets into character. It gets into family. It gets into financial aid packages. It gets, there's all these things that come in that, that factor in, but you want to, you want to be on the board and guess who, when they're flipping down faces saying, nope, this guy doesn't match, fit the criteria. This guy doesn't fit or this girl doesn't fit. Like you got to meet certain criteria to, to get into the school. If you're not doing the bare minimum, hitting those prerequisites, like they're not even going to look into your character if you don't hit those, check those boxes. Well, and, and the higher you get into the power fives, right? The, 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 or the higher up you go within the power fives or just staying at the power fives. Yeah. You have to understand these, these teams or these schools are recruiting from, pools that are number one the the players that everybody's talking about right they're the ones that everybody notices they're the ones that are on the perfect game and the this that top 100 whatever that are everybody's talking about those players that doesn't mean you're you you can't go there and play but you got to figure out a way to get their attention and that's the hard part how do i get their attention and again the best formula for that is to have somebody that can pick up the phone and go hello hey you know what's up that's the best formula and i think you know i don't mean to i don't necessarily need to poop all over recruiting services because i'm and there's sure some, there, there are, are some that are good. yeah there's some that are gonna be doing way better than others yeah it's not, it's not a it shouldn't be a blanket statement yeah it's it, it, at the end of the day it's like anything else right there are people that that do a good job with it because they care and they're passionate and they're people that are going to try to be snake oil salesmen. The, the funny thing about social media is, and this goes right into the, the whole thing we were talking about with the, with the bat flips, people try to judge the book by its cover without gathering enough information about it. And look, we live in a day and age where you might gather too much information or might, there might be 17 different things that you could read and that might hurt your, your thought about it. But all, you, as a human, your responsibility every day is to be informed as it is. So if you go down this rabbit hole, you go down this path, you're going to figure out whether the recruiting service is good or not. You're going to figure out whether the, the you need them or not. You just have to pay attention. What happens, what I see a lot, and this is like the the crux of it all. I think in, in today's society, parents panic that they're not doing everything they can for their kids. So they panic. They freak out. They, they think that there's this... Uh, we all, we all, a lot of FOMO. Yeah, we all do this in some capacity. We, we, oh, am I doing everything I should be doing? Am I doing everything I can be doing? And the reality of it is, at some point, you probably look around and go, "Man, I'm doing okay." <laughs> but parents hold themselves to like a really high standard and want to make sure that they are creating all the opportunities they can for their kids. So look, it, it is what it is. Yeah. The uh, one thing I want to talk about that in addition to everything we've said is how not to do recruiting is send people DMS on Twitter, people that you don't know, asking them to retweet stuff. That happens to me a lot. People just like random kids will just say, Hey, this would really be helpful to me if you put this out. And they're probably looking at it like, Oh, it's just a simple retweet. Like how hard can that be? I just got to click a button. It takes a split second to do it. The issue is like, I don't know who you are. That's me vouching for you in a lot of ways. I'm not just a generic recruiting service. It's like, I don't know who you are as a person. I don't know who you are as an athlete. I don't know who you are like between the lines and what kind of person you are. It's just, I can't just retweet you because you asked me to. I have, now, some, you I have some check marks that I put on ARs 
A&R, automatically non-recruitables. If you ever tweeted me and told me to retweet something, I, I, would, I would tell all my friends to not recruit you. Yeah, it's just a bad move. So the, the difference would be like, if you really wanted me to help you, like you got to find a way to create a relationship with me and like ask me questions about the swing. Like if I post something, have an intelligent reply to it that elicits some sort of conversation, do something to get my attention so that I start investing time into you to understand who you are. There's a lot of people out there. Like you have a lot of Twitter followers. I got 20, like 21,000 followers. There's a lot of replies that come in that you just can't get to. You just don't see them and life keeps moving. The, the, the Twitter Verse. news cycle is very quick. It's just like, if you're not getting my attention quickly, it's gone for something like that. So you got to find a way to get in. Like there's, there's people on Twitter that have my attention when I'm scrolling and I see their tweet, I will stop. I will read it. I'm, like I don't do a lot of favorites, but I do a ton of bookmarks. So like you got to find a way to build relationships with people. And the same thing can go for a college coach. If you're really interested in going to school, you can send them an email and say, you know, hey, I'm very interested in your school academically because of these reasons. Be specific. Not like, hey, I'm very interested in your school. Generic email, like form letter. There's Tell ways why. to get Tell people's them, attention. Yeah, you got to be more specific and you got to show somebody that you've tried a little bit um, versus just, you know, I'm interested because you're a D1 school and like, I want to go to D1 school. It's no, like what major do you offer? Tell me something about the program history. Tell me something about like a player that went there that you respect. So like something, anything besides, Hey, can you retweet this? Yeah. Cause that's, well that's not it. Not that it. ain't it. So next topic, clubhouse chemistry, secret ingredient to winning. You, uh, you played for Anthopolis. And I know you're very high on the way he builds teams, builds teams, the, the pork chop test, the uh, understanding energy. We've talked to a lot of people about this over time. There's a, I'll lead off, I guess. Um, I think people that give energy versus people that take energy is important. Uh, being consistent with who you are is very, very important in the clubhouse. Like you'd be a quiet guy. Just be the quiet guy. Just, like if you're not draining people, if you just shut up and work hard, that's great. Actions speak volumes always. Uh, keep your locker clean. Be respectful of other people. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes into it that uh, that that matter. Like that that strongly influence how you are perceived and how you're contributing to the team in a non on the field way. Uh, adversity can bond teams, and that's. It's not always a bad thing if you don't let it be a bad thing, but yeah. What do you got? I think they're, I, I, the biggest thing I would say is, so Roly Banez and I talked about this probably right after the 2015 postseason. We talked about how teams are composed and every team's going to have a few guys over here and a few guys over here. And I'm just going to opposite ends of the spectrum. So there's good and bad, we'll call it. And then everybody else in the middle. Uh, typically the composition of teams. And when I say good and bad, I, I, I'm kind of referring to character, um, desire, yearning, whatever. And, and it doesn't, it's not blanket. It's not like a uniform, hey, you have to be like this. You have to be the guy that runs hardest or, uh, you know, shows up the earliest. At the end of the day, it's about the way you compete on the field between the lines. Um, and within that, you have to allow other people to be themselves so that they can compete at their highest, right? So when you have people who are alphas, right? We'll call them the alphas. You have to presume that those people want to win and they want to compete. And sometimes that's true. And sometimes it's not true because I think everybody wants to win if it's convenient within their careers, right? Within their careers. But I, I would say most people are probably more con concerned with surviving in the big leagues, making money, having longer careers. So if winning becomes convenient and it doesn't, it's not impacting their own ability to take care of their, themselves, then great. When you, at the highest level, you have to have, and one of the words that you said is the consistency piece of it. From my standpoint, I've taken some deep dives here mentally because 
it's really it's complex and 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 people always say you want your best player to be your your leader it makes everything easier right it makes everything easier now you take a guy like Joe Maurer who <laughs> what a wonderful human just very but very quiet didn't really have much to say there was there was really no supporting cast there for Joe and i think Joe was humble let everybody do their thing, but it was Joe was, I wouldn't even talk. I wouldn't even say he was the leader of the team because there were people that were louder and, and, and kind of stood out more than him. And then you kind of put this, like create this limbo area now where if your leaders are causing detachment or causing people to feel uncomfortable, that's when you run into a problem. I, I couldn't have felt more uncomfortable when I played in Minnesota, when I was in the big leagues, could not have felt more uncomfortable. I just walked on eggshells, uh, wanted to get sent down, and we were sixteen hundred, two years in a row, sixteen hundred. Yeah, that's not good. Um, and then I went to Toronto, and every day I came to the clubhouse, I wanted to be there. Guys roasting each other, hanging out, talking. Nobody was off limits. You could, you could throw a zinger at Batista or Donaldson or or Encarnacion, and didn't have to feel like the whole room was going to look at you in awe. Uh, coaching staff allowed for just people to be themselves. Because when push comes to shove, it's all the, the character and culture stuff that we talk about where it's show up on time and, you know, be the first one there and be the last guy to leave. Those are those are things that allow you to stand out in the coach's eyes in the event that there's a, a tie between you and another player on the field, right? But nobody actually cares about any of that stuff if you come with it. Because if you post up and you're getting it done on the field, it don't matter if you show up three minutes before the game, da. It don't matter. Miss stretch. It don't matter. Because if you post at 7.05 and you come with it, that's all that matters. Doesn't matter if you're there six hours before the game if you're hitting 142. Exactly. Oh, oh I'm doing everything right. Well, yeah, but you're doing everything no, right. No, you're not. It's actually you're not wrong because you stink. <laughs> oh, I, I, when I talk to players and – doing I, everything right except – producing on the field i talked to somebody this morning that had an off day an off day no game from summer league and they were at the gym at 9 a.m <laughs> and i was like what and then i talked to another one of our guys who got home from summer ball and three days out of summer ball four or five four or five days out of his last game from summer ball and he went to take bp i was like what are you doing We'll lose like, just, for a couple hey, like college starts in, in about three weeks. You got fall ball coming up. I said, when was the last time you didn't take BP? Uh, last week. I go, okay, beyond that. Um, it's been two and a half years. Maybe a time you should go play, try tennis, like try golf and like leisure, get away from the game. So you remember to enjoy it. So it doesn't become work. And that's all part of this, this whole chemistry culture thing that we're talking about where, you have to be enjoying what you do or else. A great analogy is when you're in school, like you're in high school or middle school, there's some classes that you just dread going to. You're just like, man, this, whether it's the teacher, whether it's the topic, whatever it is, you're just like, this is not enjoyable. And there's some classes that you're like, I'm looking forward to this today. This is like the highlight of my day you want that clubhouse to feel like the highlight of your day. Like you want that to be good energy, good vibes only like that whole, like you want that to be a positive experience. Cause if you do it right in the clubhouse, it's going to show up on the field. Yeah. If it's negative in the clubhouse, it's going to unravel quick on the field. A lot of, a lot of finger blaming going on. A lot of, a lot of negativity spiral out of control tendencies in that situation. And, and, and look, I think when the, when the, the leadership of the team, the, the people that kind of everybody looks at in Toronto it was so obvious. It was, it was Batista and Donaldson, right. The, on the, on the hitting side and the pitchers probably had their own guys. It was Burley. Right. And it, you have kind of different segments of the team, right. Pitchers, uh, position players, and then maybe bullpen and starters. Like I, I would say distinguished. Um, and they all blend, they can all blend together. Um, but, when you when you look at at Donaldson and, and and Joey Bats, their reputations aren't spotless, right? And 
they're 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 perceived a certain way. We had an we had guys that were enough strong enough mentally and emotionally to be able to kind of deal with that alphaness that they presented predominantly because if you played hard, they respected you. Right. I've never felt disrespected by either one of them. I think maybe JD a couple times, <laughs> but I never felt like if I played my butt off that they weren't, you know, that they were going to be critical of me. You know, does that make sense? And, and I think that was a, a good representation of why that team was good. Now we had other leaders that allowed the clubhouse to stay connected in different ways. And the pitching staff had a guy like Mark Burley who was going out there basically that he couldn't feel his arm and he's figuring out, he figured out a way to make 30 starts that year. Yeah. I have have an interesting question, I think. So the perception of like performance being needing to be good to be respected in the clubhouse. I feel like the game and everybody kind of knows how good you are. Like, it's just kind of, there's a feeling of like how good a player is. And if you're underperforming through lack of effort, that's a huge problem. If you're performing to your capability with like, with good, respectable effort, you could hit 230. Guys will respect you. They might understand when you get traded away or somebody takes your job, but they'll respect you. And then if you're overperforming, guys will kind of get a feel for that too. And it's like, yeah, he's playing over his, his tips a little bit, but. Or how about under- how's he going to respond when he comes back down to earth? Yeah. How about underperforming, but with great effort, with great chemistry, with being a great teammate, being, you can see it in people's faces, right? I used to remember there'd be moments where guys would get walk-off hits. And I'd be mad. It wasn't me. Right. And I, my celebration would be just very Magoo. What a jerk. I, but no, this is the God's honest truth. When we celebrated, when we made the playoffs and when we won the send division, this to coach Murphy at Alabama, you're, you're breaking rules right now. I know when we Mudita, when we uh, when we made the playoffs and we won the division, I'd been going through that stretch of literally. I felt like I wasn't playing at all. There, were, maybe won a series or won every five games I was playing, and I thought I had done everything to establish that I belonged in the lineup every day at that point, especially for uh, like for us to have the best chance. And uh, I remember celebrating, and it was just very. Uh, I didn't feel like I was a part of it. I felt like I like I understated. And then I had to play the doubleheader in Baltimore the night after we won the division. I had to play both games the doubleheader, uh, which was interesting. And anyway, like I remember feeling I hadn't done anything. And then when we celebrated, when we won the the the, the divisional round when we beat Texas. I was as locked in and as exuberant as could be. And part of it was because I felt like I contributed, right? I felt like I had a hand in it. Now, looking back on it, it, I wish I could have those moments back because it almost doesn't matter if I felt like I contributed to the moment. I did. Whatever I did, I I contributed to that moment. And to your point, Munenori Kawasaki contributed to those moments as much as anybody did. And he, you could tell that he loved the moment that you created as much as you probably did. And when you feel that genuine passion from your teammates, and I think you have to get to a certain level to be able to really take pleasure in, in team success. And I, through college, you can feel it, I think for the most part. And I think that that paradigm's probably shifting a little bit, but in, in professional baseball, when you can genuinely root for the guy next to you, and, and, and support him. And then what it does is it frees you up personally. And I think this is the part that everybody misses is when you can be genuinely happy that the person next to you, and this is why putting winning at the top of the pyramid allows for so much greatness to happen. When you know you're playing for the person next to you and you know you can take joy in what the person next to you did, there's nothing better, man. Yeah, I mean, that that concept of, appreciating moments and appreciating other people's success. It is so powerful. And you can think about it. Think back to your own career. Think back to like when other guys get hits and you're just kind of like, whatever. 
doesn't move the needle. And then guys, it's it's typically like I, I always felt like it was the better players when better players perform in big moments, kind of gets you going. It gets it gets a spark to to bigger things. I remember Gogo hit a walk off homer. And I went up to him after, and I, I said, man, usually I want that to be me. But I'll tell you what, there's nobody in this room that I would have rather seen hit that. Just because, like, <clears throat> he had, had he was having a, an okay year for him offensively, but I think he was going through, like, a little tough stretch. And and, and then I, I went out there, and I was like, ah. And, you know, we said, you know, it's cool when those moments happen. And, yeah, yeah. look, it, it's so much easier – to play when you know people have your back, when you know the manager has your back and your teammates have your back and, and they're going to enjoy your success and then it makes it reciprocal. It's just where does it start from? And again, I, I think the good have to outweigh the bad on any given team because you're going to have a couple bad eggs everywhere. The, the bad eggs are fine if nobody pays attention to them, right? If it's three people on that side of the clubhouse and you got six on the good side, most of the middles drift into the good side and then they're going to just be shunned. Like you're just going to shun the bad people. And you know, what's going to happen. They're either going to sit on the bench. They're going to get traded. They're going to get released, whatever, depending on what level you're at. Uh, cool segue there. There was uh, an awesome tweet and I was looking for it, but I couldn't find it. I thought I bookmarked it. It was, I believe the Buffalo bills coach. Um, it was like a, one of a team exercise. One of the first, I don't know if it was a team activity, whatever it was. He said, all right, everybody in the room, stand up. And then he went through a list of, of things that like, if you, if this has happened to you, sit down, it was like, have you ever been traded or released? Have you had this happen to you? Have you had this happen to you? Have you been injured? Have basically like everything that can happen to you that's bad in a career. And the only guy left that was standing was an undrafted player who had zero scholarship offers. He was the only guy that hadn't had like all those negative things happen in his career. And it was, and the purpose was like, like, let's be humble about where we are right now. Everybody's expendable. Like this is, this is the reality of our situations right now. We're all coming from a place of castaway, basically. So let's appreciate where we are. Let's all get to work and, and be humble about our, our opportunity right now. It was, it was awesome. I loved it. I think that's creating moments like that where everybody can look next to each other, look, you know, look at the guy next to you and be like, all right, like we're in this together. Let's go. Yeah. It's awesome. Very powerful. Very, I got to find that tweet. I, I really, I thought I bookmarked it and maybe I did under a different account. I'll find it. Not right now. Not right now. Uh, there was. Did you see the thing about the, the New York football giants got into a big fight? Coach got mad, made him run sprints. Yeah, they're a train wreck. They've been a train wreck for a while. There's certain organizations that have just like culturally cultural issues that. Well, they're trying. I mean, they got to come from the top. New coaching, new. I, I mean, I don't know if they have the pieces. I don't know if they have the horse to run a race, but football's a little bit different. You get in fights in practice and come out better because of it, I think, right? Potentially, as long as you don't get mad at each other. Yeah, well, I mean, it has, you can't hold a grudge. It has to, you have to move yeah. past it. Yep. Uh, let's keep moving along here. So we had a, a question about the Giants, San Francisco baseball Giants about how how are they like doing what they're doing basically one of my favorite stats to look at is run differential and i think we've got some uh contenders or pretenders going on right now in baseball so on the american league side astros have the best run differential followed by the blue jays the blue jays of toronto blue jays are fourth in the east and second in run differential uh, followed by the White Sox and Rays, who are tied. And then the Red Sox and the Yankees. Red Sox are plus 33. Yankees are plus 15. Potential pretenders there. Um, one of them is going to make the playoffs. The Oakland A's are the other team with a positive run differential. And weird, Red Sox and Oakland are leading the wild card. Blue Jays trailing, but I feel like they could be coming on quick. In the National League... It's a mess. The only, <laughs> it's a mess. The only team with a positive run differential in the East is Atlanta, plus 65. Milwaukee and Cincinnati in the Central, 88 and 22, respectively. And the National League West, clear, clearly the best teams in the National League, 
We got the Dodgers, who are in second place, at one plus 171, followed by San Francisco at plus 130, followed by San Diego at plus 102. So that, to me, is like just an indicator of over, overall strength of team. Dodgers are giving up less runs. The San Francisco Giants are just winning baseball games. You got to get good at winning one-run games. Good teams find a way to win. That's... Just got to get good at figuring it out. Win one-run games. Because if you win by one or you win by five, it don't matter. So I was looking – it's funny. Before I even saw the topics for today, I was looking at run differential yesterday. I was checking the standings because it, it was weird to me that basically four teams in the East are going for it. <laughs> and – only three of them are going to get in. Um, potentially, it might only be two. And it's good. I think more teams should go for it, right? You should be buyers at the at the deadline. Uh, I think Toronto got a little overly optimistic because, like, there's a lot of ladders to climb there, right? And I think they they think they're ready now, and they might be, and they might not be. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. We got a good um, run differential for perspective. Uh, only given up 448 runs compared to, like, Boston who's given up 518. Tampa's given up 449. The Dodgers lead the league in runs against at 412, followed by San Francisco at 419. Sorry, Milwaukee's got 418. So, like, that low 400s is, like, really good right now. Those are all so National League teams. Yeah, I mean. But, and and, and obviously, it's it's uh, a little dependent on games played because they're not all equal. Yeah. But Blue Jays are, I mean, they're scoring a ton of runs. They're not giving up a lot. So. Pretty good combination. But we don't know if they know how to win yet. So that's the thing. Like you just don't know if they know how to win. Like, and that's where maturity and and mindset and ability to move a runner over. Like last year, the Blue Jays ran the bases the worst I've ever seen anybody run the bases in the big leagues. So that that's a factor because when you start giving outs and giving runs away and doing stupid stuff that co- can cost you games late. Uh, baseball more often than not is the side, we were t- so I, I I tweeted back. I said, what's the final, like, how do you, what takes you from being a 60 and 100 team to a, to a 20 games over 500 team or from a 30 games under 500 to a 20 games over? I guarantee you that every player on the Orioles could go somewhere else and be part of a playoff team, right? And they could be a major leaguer on any other team in the big leagues. So, like, if you took all 25 guys and spread them out, they're still major leaguer. For what, what's the difference? What makes you win? And, I just don't think it's stuff that you can measure on a stat sheet. And yeah, we can talk about expected WOBA and expected win percentage like that. I was looking the, the the Blue Jays expected record is like 67 and 43 or something like that. And they're only six or seven games over 500 instead. You can expect to win. And the predictions should say this is what, or the projections, not predictions, should say this is how many games you should win. But it only matters how many games you do win. That comes from somewhere. I'll tell you what. Watching the Ortiz thing last night, I, I want that guy up the bat. I want that guy in my foxhole. I want – you remember the defining moment of the 2008 World Series was when Chris Sale buried the dugout in Los Angeles. He just came out and started screaming. And then all of a sudden, a three-run homer later, they're back in the game. Also, yeah. everybody's mad that the Red Sox were in, on social. They're like, oh, the Red Sox were cheating. Like you're allowed to go down and look at previous things. You're not allowed to do it real time. Instagram, figure it out. You can go look at previous pitches. Yeah, Bobby, people say stuff and they don't know what they're talking about. That's the problem. With generation. <laughs> yeah, a lot. They, they just say stuff or they write it or type it or whatever. Cause there's no repercussions for being an idiot. That's uh, why I love, I love coming back at people and be like, you're an idiot. Could you imagine, the- <laughs> could you imagine if there was every human for every stupid thing that they wrote that was wrong, they had to get punched in the face. <laughs> like you just accumulate punches in the face. And then at the end of the week, whatever amount of punches in the face you accrued, you have to go to the punch in the face bank and get them. Would that make people stop saying stupid things? I mean, implementation of that would be difficult, but I appreciate your. Uh... What if we had a drone that did punches in the face? Just a little one of those one of those scissor things that like you know the scissor expander things that yeah it would track the the, uh, we could track the IP addresses <laughs> just drone enforcers I'm blocked like, out I'm blocked out <laughs> uh, quick mailbag from the uh, from pickle at pelletero.com. question about how to break in a glove 
uh, college players going to a new school, new glove. I believe it was an eight Wilson, eight, 2000 or eight, two K, whatever. How do you break in a glove? Use it, use it. My, I prefer a stiffer glove. I don't, I don't like the glove to be all loose and flimsy. My criteria was always if the laces are broken in, then I'm ready to go. I want the leather, leather be really stiff. I need to be able to control the ball. One of my favorite ways to break in a ball, a glove is use the, uh, you know, those yellow light flight balls. Like you play with kids, like to get hit hard and break bones. These little yellow light flight balls. If you can play catch with one of those and control it, your glove's going to be in really good shape. That's my, that was my secret. That's a middle infielder though. So depending on position outfielder, you might, you're going to want a nice deep pocket that controls the ball. Third base can be a little different. First base can be different. Catcher is definitely different. My criteria was the laces have to be broken in. So like so, when you pick a ball, it's going to receive it. I think catching the web and use the light flight. I think the implication, right? So, um, What's the leather spray? It's a like glove leather conditioner that they sell. Lexol, Lexol. I, I would say like that's a good start. It's it softens it. Um, not, this, this is for context. If you're watching, this is as much as I close my glove ever. I have I have a uh, I'm controlling the ball with my fingers so you can't knock it out. I'm literally just holding the ball like this. Actually, more like this. I'm holding the ball in my glove. You can't knock it out. You know, you tag, whatever, it's not an issue. But that's a middle infield glove, and I keep it open. Nice. Catching it in the palm, not in the, not in the web. You don't catch the ball up here. Don't do that. Go ahead. Sorry. No, that's okay. That was, that's your moment. You want to show your baby. Anytime you want to show your – you can show your baby. I I have one – when I went to SSK Gloves my last year in SSK. Affiliated. Went to SSK Gloves? Yeah. They, uh, the, the outfielder's glove I got is the hardest glove I've ever seen. I, I literally played catch with this thing for almost a full year and it still feels like super cementy. So in those situations, and if that's the case, I would say find some glove conditioner and just keep the leather to try to get it to soften. The microwave stuff might work too. Like the, the, the heat baths, the, the, the steam baths are good. Like when we, the, in the, the big league uh, clubbies have all kinds of stuff to do it. I think they use the steam more than anything else. Like even if it's just a regular steamer, you can literally steam your glove. You know the thing you steam your clothes with. I didn't like. I, I'm like you. I'm a. I'm a. I'm, I'm a firm don't guy. steam your glove believer. The only thing I ever did was a, after about a year of having a glove, I started a Lexol just so that the the I could condition literally condition the leather. I used That's to get this it. old. I used to get this stuff from Eminem Sports. Mike at Eminem Sports had this stuff. It was the Aussie Smith leather leather conditioner. It was a little white tub, and it was this tan colored leather conditioner. And I would put that on if the leather started to crack, if it started to dry out, I would use it. But that was it. I, I'm not a steam guy. I would just I say don't, don't get new gloves. I would I would uh, never steam it. For rule number one: don't run over it with your car. Number two: uh, don't tie a rubber band around and put it under your mattress because that's stupid. Just play catch with it. Understand the shape you want and play catch with it. The light flight ball was, is is a huge like secret though, because if you are a middle infielder, you need to control the ball. If that ball, if you can't control it, if you can't squeeze the leather enough to control that ball, it'll just pop straight out. Really frustrating. Which brings me, which brings me to my next point. We going water boy right there? Yeah, but don't I, smoke. I, crack. I didn't actually have a point. You didn't want to say it. No, um, I just didn't have one. I, I mean, I'll say it. You if you've never watched on a podcast, what's the guy? Yeah, we're saying don't don't do drugs. It's a positive yeah, message. Don't right? smoke crack. Positive message for the kids. Yeah, it's the water boy. Uh, what's the what's the guy's name for Wilson? Is Asso Wilson? Asso. Yeah, he uses the mallet to to break in the gloves for the player. Asso glove breaking. A S O. If you haven't seen this dude's videos on YouTube, just give yourself 30 minutes to go do that. Or next time you're you're taking a dump, pull that up and watch watch this guy work leather. The mallet, the mallet works just like the ball. Beating yeah. the crap out of the glove. He's folding it. It's really fun to watch. And he's like the master leather shaper for Wilson. Uh, I wouldn't I would trust him with the glove, especially if I was a Wilson uh sponsored athlete where I knew I could just get another one. <laughs> it's not a deal. Would I, would I buy a $500 glove or $450 glove and have Asso break it in for me sight unseen? Probably not, but he is really impressive. I watch. would. That guy's a glovesman. 
I gloves. <laughs> I love he knows team. gloves the way I know boogers. He's good. Just watch. Type boogers. in. Go to YouTube. Type in Wilson Aso. A S O. Aso. I don't know how to say that. We're out. Last topic. Albert Pujols. No, two more topics. Quick. Pujols is back. He hit a homer last night. His swing looked great. His big leg kick, which he needs to do now to get it going. But his bat path was awesome, and it made me excited. And you love Albert. And then I put a TikTok. I had somebody, uh, Craig Hyatt, posted the clip, and then my I just replied with the the, the TikTok meme. It's a little kid. He goes, "Hey, buddy. Hey, bud. <laughs> like that's my guy. I miss Albert." Uh, and then the last thing, Olympics recap. The uh, Jamaican women are very fast. The so U.S. Are the women, Italians. The U.S. women very fast. Beach volleyball is like the most. Those guys can jump. Like, have you ever tried to jump in beach sand? Yeah. I don't I do it. Like, I am so impressed at the athletic ability and just volleyball players in general. They're really tall, really explosive. Like. Maybe go get some rebounds in the NBA and make millions. Yeah. I don't know what the what a sponsored uh, beach volleyball player is making, but I feel like they could probably get some boards. Hey, women's 10-meter platform, 14-year-old Chinese girl set the record for best average. She dropped, a pe- she, like, she dropped a pebble in the pool, and it that made the bigger splash than she does. It was Absurd. unbelievable. Absurd. 14. She was just like, oh, whatever. I'm just throwing up tents. Looks so I young love too. platform diving. Platform diving, fencing, and table tennis. I told you. Yeah. I love track and field. I really, well, really awesome. enjoyed track and field. I love watching the uh like the 10,000, just grinding it out. The women's, I think it's a women's 10,000. There was three girls. First time. Like people first were just, time. that was the first time for that event. People were dropping out. I guess it's really hot there right now. Super hot. People were dropping out of the race left and right, and these three girls were just booking it, lapping people. Yeah. And the the one girl that led the whole time got toasted at the end. Uh, wow. Really, really fun. To, but just watching the strategy, there was there was a men's race where there's a ton of pushing and shoving going around. What the USA got knocked off the track for a minute, came back on. That stuff yeah. is uh, U.S. woman, know. U.S. woman, uh, third in the marathon, Kenya, Kenya, USA. Yeah. It was cool. It was, her, her interview, her interview after was awesome because she was yeah. like, "I'm so tired." <laughs> and then she was like, "Have a beer for me." Um, no, yeah, it, it's cool. Those are, that was my my favorite part. I, actually, I thought the one thing they did a really good job with was like showing the each athlete that was being interviewed interacting with their families. That I, I teared up a couple of times. So, kudos to NBC for that. Um, other than that, I hated it. The track stuff. Uh, Japan won baseball. U.S. Yeah. silver. Who won? Who won bronze? I don't even know. Uh, bronze was the Dominican Republic. They beat Korea in the bronze medal game. How about softball? Got a ton of attention, and I didn't hear anything about baseball. Like the softball community does a good job hyping the sport because I didn't see anybody on Twitter talking about it. And I get, it probably hurts that major league season is in full, full uh, schedule right now. <clears throat> U.S. men's basketball. One and Kevin Durant was live on Instagram. Yep, we gotta go. We're being told we have to go. Yeah, Patrick saying wrap it up. Long episode. You talked way more than you were supposed to. I only want to talk about Vladdy. You made me talk about other stuff. All right, wrap it up. Move my wall.